As uh, we've been doing, let's start in Romans 12 once again. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Read these verses together. Pray. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Starting in verse 1, Romans 12. Ready? Begin. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Lord, thank you again for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you desire transformation, that you equip us for everything, with everything we need for transformation. And now, as we continue to look at Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, in light of the renewing of our mind, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, Please be the counselor, the teacher. Help us uh, to understand it, but then, Lord, help us to bring application. And through the application, the power of the Holy Spirit, in faithful obedience, the transformation will follow. So we love you. We love your word. And uh, ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. All right, let's go to Hebrews. Several books to the right. First, Second Timothy, Titus. Philemon, Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. So we've been in a series on transformation since the beginning of the year. And in the last several weeks, there's been this kind of theme that that has developed as I was looking back on our notes. And and really each week I'm like, Lord, where are we and where do you want us to go? And, and, And really... If you were with us a month or so ago, you know, this, this phrase that you've heard me say uh, several times, it's not about me, right? So everyone turn to the person next and say, hey, it's not about me. It's not about me, right? And in your notes there, in your notes there, there's been this theme. And the first, the first kind of a review, just to get us all caught up, is this idea of consumerism, right? Why do you come to church? What's your motive, Right. Being a getter versus a giver, Philippians 2, 3 and 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Right? Powerful verse. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, you don't have to turn to this. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all. Here it is. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So Philippians says, hey, I'm not just to be about myself. I'm supposed to consider others. Second Corinthians 5, 14, 15 says, hey, I'm not supposed to live for me. I'm supposed to live for him. Right. And and the challenge for this, okay, because the renewing of our minds, I shared last week, the, the challenge for many of us here who especially have been in the church for for a long time. Our challenge is to be open to correction, rebuke, scriptural teaching that comes 
when we're challenged by ideas, thoughts, opinions that we've carried, even as churchgoers, for many years. And if you stop and say, well, Lord, is that really what Scripture says? The challenging part for us as good, moral, God-loving, God-fearing Christians is we might be off. Now, I'm not talking way off in rebellion, but I'm talking maybe like 10 degrees off. And you know, as a pilot, if you start and you want to go from point A to point B and you're just 10 degrees off, it doesn't take very long for that 10 degrees to add up. And suddenly you're way off course. Well, sometimes I have found in 20 plus years of ministry and working with believers and encouraging them, it's not that they, they don't love God. It's not that they don't want transformation even. It's just that there's a whole lot of scripture and just a, enough of their opinion to kind of nudge them off course just a little bit. And the challenging part is when their opinion gets challenged scripturally. Well, well, I mean, well, I always thought it or this is the way it's always been done. So we, we can, if we're not careful, okay, if we're not careful, opinion and tradition begin to almost outweigh the authority of Scripture. And, and that's, that's enough to nudge us off course. That's enough, just enough, to, to get in there and 90% of the stuff is fine and orthodox, but just enough. We get nudged just enough. And so our challenge in the renewing of our minds is to say, Lord, what does the Bible say about that? And, you know, we've been looking at this, this, this idea of church, biblical church. What is the purpose of church? Why do we go to church? Right? And, and we saw in Romans 15 that the whole purpose of us gathering is to glorify Him. Not OVCF. It's to glorify and praise Him. Right? The whole reason for us to bear fruit is to glorify Him. John 15, 8. It's all about Him. And then last week we looked at these verses, Hebrews 10. Look at this, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another... And all the more as you see the day approaching. So my transformation and us as a church, the primary purpose is to glorify who? God. These verses teach us that when we gather, we have another primary purpose. And that is who? Each other. Each other. It's not about. It's not about me. Even our gatherings are not about me, right? And we did this exercise last week, and I thought it was kind of cool. So verse 24, and let us, right? And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Okay, so who's he talking to? Who's the us? (laughs) Us, believers. He's talking to believers. And here's what's happening, guys. He's talking to believers who have come out of Judaism, and the, the, the readers, there's a bunch of them that are struggling with leaving the faith, the new covenant, and going back. Going back 
to what they knew. The law, the old covenant, the sacrificial system. So he's saying, as a word of encouragement, there's a reason for the letter. People are struggling. People are struggling. Some of them want to go back. I don't, that's not too far from people that I've worked with in 25 years of ministry. All the glorious truths about Jesus, all the wonderful truths about who you are in Christ and His provision and all of that and walking in the Spirit and all the fruit. And yet, I can't tell you how many times people have just struggled and want to go back to the old life. Want to go back to their old ways. Want to go back to the old crew. Want to go back to the old habits. Want to go back to what they used to do. That's the struggle that he's addressing here. That's why his, his admonition and his exhortation to the believers is so important. Because there are people among them struggling on the verge of leaving and going back to the old. In this room, I'm going to guess that there are people struggling. And what happens? There's an enemy. And maybe one of his greatest tools is discouragement. Discouragement. Right? Came across this definition of discouragement. The act of depriving one of courage, confidence, or the will to persist in something. Simply stated, someone is trying to get us to stop doing what we are doing or to never start. In its spiritual application, our enemy is trying to get men to not listen to God's word or God's people to not show or have any interest in spiritual matters and to try to get weak or new Christians to not get involved in the work and those who are faithful believers to give up. See in this room right now, there are people maybe discouraged. There might be people, keep your finger here, turn to Hebrews 2, look at Hebrews 2, 1. In Hebrews chapter 1, he gives these glorious truths about who Jesus is, right? In Hebrews chapter 1. But then look at Hebrews 2.1. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, what he just said about Jesus. Pay careful attention so that we do not drift away. You see, as I was reading Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, and what we're going to learn in the next few weeks about encouragement, why is it so profoundly important that we understand that there is a huge reason that we gather for biblical encouragement to one another? Why? Because people are discouraged. And people drift. Drift. I have found it very rare, very rare, that... That someone I knew as a believer who had been plugged in and, and serving and doing all the good stuff that you're supposed to do, right? I have found it very rare that in one night they just call it quits and chuck it. What is more common is the drift. It's the drift. Little by little. It's just the drift. I shared with you when I go fishing out there in the islands. I get so focused on my fishing pole and my thing that the boat drifts 100 yards and I didn't even feel it. I didn't even sense it. I had no clue because I was so focused on me. Why is it so important that we understand what, what, 
what the writer, the author of Hebrews 10 is, is, is saying? Because you're surrounded right now by people who face discouragement and might even be drifting. And it might even be you. Might even be you. Maybe you're, you're just discouraged this morning. Maybe something's gone on for so long. You're just like, Lord, Lord. Well, honestly, if, you, if maybe, maybe if you were honest, you'd say, I've been drifting. It's that summer blues. I never understood the summer blues when it comes to churchdom, you know. Just so you know, pastorally, we, we, we calendar for the summer because typically attendance dips because everyone leaves. The challenge with that is that people take a vacation from Jesus for some reason in the summer. It's the craziest thing. And then in the fall, when we're all back together, we're going to fire it back up for Jesus. That's dangerous. We don't, we don't take a vacation from Jesus. But we kind of do because we buy into the vacation mentality. And then we just kind of get soft and then we start to drift. So subtle. And you said it so well, Bill. But we come Sundays. And we look good. And we show up. And attendance at Sundays masks drifting. Because no one knows what Monday through Saturday is really like. No one knows what my real heart condition is. So, But I'm going to show up. Because as long as I show up, the pastor puts the star by my name and he leaves me alone. It's the drift that concerns me the most. And so when you're not here, hear my heart, hear Bill's heart, hear Tyler's heart. When you're not here and we call you, we just want to know that you're not drifting. Because we know how subtle it can be. We know the flesh and we know the enemy. And it's not necessarily bad stuff you're doing, guys. What's your biggest challenge? What, I was reading a book today, The Biggest Challenge. What is our biggest competition right now for people? Why isn't this place filled? Why isn't this place filled? What's competing? See, right now there's things competing for attendance right here. I don't know if you ever thought about this. I think about this. Why isn't this place filled to overflowing? What's the competition right now? Let's be honest. The bed. That's competition right now. And priorities. Priorities. And I'm not talking bad things. Just other things. It's a day off. It's, the, it's, it's my day off. It's my only day to sleep in. Yada, yada. All of that, if we buy into that, what is that? can very subtly be caused to drift. To drift. How many of you literally, literally, especially if you have kids, it is a choice slash chore to get here. Okay, there's a whole lot of dishonest people in this room right now. Put your hand. Thank you, Sally. It's a choice to be here. But why do we come? We come because we don't want to drift. You have to be very honest with yourself that if you, if you, and you know, here's the thing. If you're not honest enough with yourself to think that you can't drift, 
you're already done. If you think, oh, I got it all together, I can take a few weeks off from church, I don't need that, I got my Bible, I'll get to it. If you kind of think you're so, you got it all so good, the devil already got you. He's already reeling you in. He's already reeling you in. He's already, just by thinking that, you've drifted. Just the thought is the drift. See, this, this is why it's so important. Hebrews 10, 24, he says, hey, there's discouragement. People are thinking going back to Judaism. There's a drift. People can drift. And so look what he says. Verse 24, we focused on this last week. Let us consider your notes there, right? Quick review. To think about something very carefully, contemplating, contemplating with continual consideration so as to render mutual help and counsel. To take careful note of each other's spiritual way. I mean, how often? Continuously. Let us consider how we may spur, right? Incite, irritate in a good way, right? One another toward love and good deeds. So how many of you are part of the us? Put your hand up if you're part of the us. Let us. Okay, keep your hand up. No, fine. Come on. Nothing to be ashamed of. If you're a believer, you're part of the us. Now look around, and those are the one another's. Go ahead. Look around. Keep them up because you got it. If you're an us, you're also a one another. <laughs> so, so this side, wave to them. And that side, wave over there, right? right? So here's the point. The author is saying it's a we thing. It's not a pastor take care of everybody thing. Us are supposed to consider, lovingly irritate one another. Toward what? Love and good deeds, which is what? Spiritual health and well-being. And so the question was last Sunday, when was the last time you actually stopped, maybe and considered, prayed, and asked God, God, show me where this person is spiritually. Show me, Lord, maybe they're, maybe they're struggling. Maybe they're hiding something. Maybe they're drifting. When was the last time you actually stopped and took the time to consider someone else's spiritual well-being, not your own? That's what it means. And then, take it one step further, because he says we're supposed to spur. When was the last time you intentionally, everyone say intentionally. When was the last time you intentionally did something to help someone else's spiritual well-being? This is, this is what gets the body of Christ, the body of Christ. This is when a church comes to life. It's like, Lord, I want to go Sunday, and I'm going to ask you, lead me to one person that I can consider, and I can do something intentional today. Before you leave here, see, it's not too late. You can, you can, here's how simple it is. You can intentionally, before you leave here, choose to go say hi to somebody and ask them how they're doing. that simple right that's why we do meet and greet that's why we meet and greet here is three minutes because we allow the considering and the spurring to happen and we love it and we love it that's an intentional decision most pastors go you do what three minutes for meet and greet that's crazy 
Uh, no, it's important. It's intentional. Because that's when the considering and the spurring and the irritating happens. Three months, right? How many people were irritated by Ernie this morning? Just kidding, right? In a good way. In a good way, of course. Right? See, see, when we say, and then, okay, let's just go on to verse 25. He says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. See the drift? He's already, he's already saying, hey, not only are they thinking about going back, they've already started. They're not gathering anymore. And that word not meeting, it doesn't just mean, oh, they're not here. Look at the definition. To separate, separate connection with another, neglect, abandon. The word picture is to desert, to leave destitute or in distress when you should be helping. What? You see, and we said this last week, and Bill gave a great word. When you're not here, the church suffers. Because you're not here to encourage and consider and spur someone else on. That's why you're important. Your absence is needed for the edification and building up of the body of Christ. Amen? It is so much more than a roll call sheet. It is so much more than hearing another sermon or hearing more good music. When you come, you come because you are part of the family of God, the body of Christ, and somebody or somebody's here needs you. Amen? They need you. Well, they don't even know me. They don't need to know you. And you don't need to know them. But you can consider them. You can pray for them. You can welcome them. You can somehow communicate you're valuable. You're valuable. Let us not, right? Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So, obviously, if we're going to call to encourage, consider, spur, in order to do all that, what do we have to do? Be together. You have to be together to encourage one another. See, this is that whole renewing of the mind, guys. I'm, I, I've been challenged with this. Church going since I was this big. Suddenly, I'm reading these in a whole new way along with you. Oh, my gosh. This has challenged me pastorally. So, Lord, what's my role on a Sunday? Because pastors are taught that it's all pastor heavy. And the whole Sunday revolves around you and the worship team. And they all come ultimately to hear the message. <clears throat> what I do up here is simply a part of what God does in the whole gathering. Amen? But there is a we component to every time we gather. I hope you see that. Whether it's Wednesday, whether it's a women's Bible study, whether it's men's Delta group, there is a we component where everybody is responsible for everybody else. That's just part of the deal. It's called the family of God. It's called the body of Christ. We are called to encourage. Now, the challenging part is, what does this word encourage even mean? Because there's a lot of this, you know, oh, does that just mean say hi? Hello. Hi, hello. Are you encouraging? Hello. Is that just encouraging? Might be part of it. Is it giving compliments? Is that how you encourage one another? Hey, Scott, nice tie. Bill? Nice. Right? Is that what it is? We encourage one another. Hey, nice haircut. Ah, I was encouraging. 
might be part of it. No. Look at look in your notes there. On the back side, encourage is to be called alongside. The idea of enabling a person to meet some difficult situation with confidence. Urge someone to take action. If we're going to be encouraging one another, it is so much more than just verbal affirmation. It is an engagement in their life. Ultimately, an engagement and encouragement and affirmation and exhortation for them to keep walking with Jesus. Right? It's present tense. It's interesting. The word for encourage is also related to the word for Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes alongside, John 14. We're to come alongside other believers. Very similar word. Look at I put there the various uses of parakaleo, the word encourage. It's also translated urge plead, exhort, comfort, or console. That's what we're supposed to be doing with one another, guys. It's a lot more than, hey, how you doing? Good. Urge, plead, exhort, comfort, or console. All of those words are the nuances of encourage. Woo! That's what the body of Christ is supposed to be doing when we gather together. And that's what we're supposed to be doing what? Daily. Daily. All of those things. I had a friend, many of you met him, Chaz. He's a senior pastor in Colorado. He's part of our accountability board. Years ago, you know, he's one of those thinker guys. And so his way of greeting me when we, when we would serve together, just when we would say, I'd say, hey, bro, what's up? He goes, hey, how goes it with your soul? I said, hey, Chaz, what's up, bro? How things going? He said, hey, brother, how goes it with your soul? Oh. When was the last time you asked someone, how goes it with your soul? How are you doing with your walk with Jesus? How are you doing spiritually? My daughter shared with me one of, one of her friends. Was it yesterday? Two days ago. Asked her, hey Shiloh, how are you doing physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually? <laughs> when was the last time anyone asked you? Hey, Scott, how are you doing physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, bro? <laughs> See, it's a two-edged sword. It's a two-edged sword. A... We're not used to being asked that. B, I'm not used to wanting to hear it. Oh. See, when I ask him, hey, how goes it with your soul? I must be prepared for him to answer that question with sincerity and concern and consideration. He is invited to share the true condition of his soul to someone who has actually asked that question. This encouraging and consideration, why is it so challenging? Because we've been trained in the church. Hey, how you doing? Even before you answer. How you doing? Oh, how you doing? Oh, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Don't even want to know. How you doing? We are trained in the church. With the best of intentions. Okay, take it the right way. There's a time for this. There's a level one communication. What do you want to call it? Meet and greet. All right, meet and greet. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. 
There's nothing insincere about that. But, but you know, but that's not what we're just, we're not called to stay there. At a certain point, we're called to consider, to spur, to encourage. Which means at a certain point, as the norm, we are called to ask one another, how goes it with your soul? And to be willing to listen and be willing to share. That's what, you know, we often talk about the, uh, the church being a huddle and we break and we go. That's what makes church life 24-7 every day of the week. Because look at what Hebrews 3.13 says. How often are we supposed to do this? Hebrews 3.13 Start in verse 12. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another. What? Ooh. Mm. Encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Wow. We are to encourage, implore, exhort, plead, urge with one another daily. Look what it says there. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You see, it's not about, hey, where were you Sunday? We missed you. Sure, we did. I don't mean to make light of that. But that last part of Hebrews 3.13 is what's really concerning. Encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You see how important a role you play in someone else's life? Your encouragement... Your encouragement daily in someone's life may be what God is using to prevent them from becoming hardened in their heart. Your willingness to speak the truth in love based on Scripture may be what God uses because they're becoming numb, because they're playing with sin again. They've gone back to pornography. They've gone back to drinking. They've gone back to the old crew. And you're the only one in their circle that sees it. And you're not coming in as a finger wag, da 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 da. You're coming in as a biblical encourager. You're coming in to urge them, to implore, to plead with them, to share God's truth in love. Why? Because you see that their spiritual arteries are getting hardened. That word, scleruno, means to make stiff, make hard. It's a medical term. The medical term in Greek writings describes something becoming hardened. Our English word hardening of the arteries is known as arteriosclerosis. Related. And you know that happens over time, doesn't it? I remember years and years ago when Nadine and I were first dating, uh, we went with her parents to Disneyland. 
And her dad just was struggling the whole day. And it was weird because he's always been healthy and, and trying to get around. He's just all tired and fatigued. It was just a, a struggle. We get back to San Diego. He runs a test, finds out, man, he is like hurting. There's some clogs. There's some blockages that need to be dealt with. He had no clue. Until it was almost too late. Because it happened over time. There may be people, believers in your life right now. And you know them. I'll never know them. You know them. They're not even plugged into church anymore. They're playing with sin. They're back in the old thing and they're justifying it and they're rationalizing it. Why? Because their hearts have become hard. They're just hardened. And look what it says in Hebrews 3. Encourage one another. How often? Daily. So that you don't get hardened hearts by the deceitfulness of sin. How many of you have ever seen a brother and sister in Christ justify a sin, play with sin, rationalize sin, and you see how deceived they are? Amen? You see it. It's clear as day to you. But because their heart is hardened, they're deceived by the devil, they're deceived by the flesh, they're rationalizing it. Next thing you know, they're way over there. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons, there's a lot of reasons for that, ultimately their responsibility, but one of the reasons perhaps is because we haven't understood biblical encouragement. And as other brothers and, other brothers and sisters in Christ, if I see Scott Driften, I'm called to implore, plead, encourage, exhort him. How goes it with your soul? And in a very loving way, I would pray that we would develop relationships here where he could say, you know what, man? I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Years ago, I got a wonderful call, one of the very few calls I've ever received. And here was the nature of the call. Hey, Pastor, I'm about to go into a situation where in the past I have fallen. Before I go into this, Pastor... I want to I share with you where I'm going. I'm going to share the nature of it. But I want to ask you for prayer on the front end, Pastor. See, here's someone who knew himself and opened himself on the front end. Typically, we get the calls after the fall. Oh, I did it again. Can you help me? I went back and I just gave in the temptation. Oh, well, God, forgive me. I, that's the bulk of the calls we get. What was so refreshing about this call was there was a guy who knew himself knew his past, knew the deceitfulness of sin, and, and asked for encouragement, was open to biblical encouragement. And that wasn't just me as a pastor. He was coming to me as a brother. And is it risky? Oh, yeah. But we're called to be the body of Christ. And so I encourage you, in the renewing of your mind, in transformation, you've got to find people within the body of Christ that you trust that trust you and begin to go to that next level of how goes it with your soul how you really doing now you may not be able to do that on a Sunday I understand that but I also want to give you permission if you show up here and you need prayer that is why we're here you know, I pray, I look forward to the day, you know, Lord willing in His timing, when, when maybe we have our own place 
and we don't have to clean up and hurry up out of here. So if someone has a pressing spiritual need and concern, we can just sit down and pray and encourage one another for as long as it takes. Because I believe with all my heart when we gather through the worship and through the preaching of His Word that God moves in people's lives. And I look forward to the day when, when again, Lord willing, we have our own place and we can encourage one another without a time constraint. And we have a place, a facility of our own where the body of Christ is known. Hey, you go there. They, they, they encourage one another. They encourage one another. It was interesting. I came across the story of the, the writer. Of, you know that hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing? Right? People think, oh, the writers of hymns, they must have been like eagles, never had a problem. The story of the author of Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, he wrote that, and then through spiritual neglect, he drifted. And he started just to wander, wandered away from the Lord, wandered just doing his own thing. One day he came across a lady who happened to be reading his hymn. And he confessed he had written that. And she ministered to him, called him back to fellowship, and he did. This lady reading his hymn called him back through encouragement to fellowship with the Lord. You never know who you're talking to because we do it so good. Right, Ernie? Right? Right? We look sharp. But there are people all around you discouraged, drifting, and God calls you and me to encourage one another, consider one another, spur one another on to love and good deeds. It's not about me. The glorious privilege we have is to be used by God to bring someone back from drifting. Amen? I love your stories. Hey, I ran into so-and-so. Invited them to church. They started coming again. What did you do? You gathered someone who was drifting because God in His divine appointment said, ah, you two go to Vons together. A chance meeting at Vons got someone back to church. Nah, that wasn't chance. That was you being attuned to the Holy Spirit and being open to God, encouraging through you someone to stop drifting. And you're surrounded by people who maybe are hardened to church or to God or whatever. Maybe God wants to use you to encourage them to come back to Him. To come back to Him. Let's close with First Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. I love that because many of you are already doing it. Encourage one another, build each other up. You see, it's a positive. We're not here to be like the spiritual popo and go around and, hey, you, hey, you, I'm supposed to urge, exhort, and implore you to get right. No. Look what it says. Encourage one another, build each other up. Just as, in fact, you are doing. Isn't that a wonderful privilege? Build each other up. 
build each other up. Through what? Encouragement. Encouragement. Now, studying this, you know, you come across all kinds of different things. And, and it was interesting because this whole build each other up, encouragement, getting some all these other I, I came across all these people talking about geese. And the question is, why do geese honk? Right? You see geese, they fly in that flying V formation, right? Right? They do that because of the drafting, the aerodynamics. They say it can go, that, that flock in the V formation can go up to 70% further together. Kind of a cool little family. Geese are very family oriented, right? Why do they honk? Right? All kinds of theories out there. You've got to be careful with this as you search the web. But, but what I have found, honking is communication. It's about identifying families have their own honk. So you can have a big V with different families in there. So sometimes they're honking to identify who the family members are. Sometimes they're honking. It's like, hey, dude, I'm right behind you. It's location. Right? But it's communication. It's letting you know I'm, I'm there. It's honking. You know what's kind of cool, too? I, I mean, it's kind of cool. They say when, in, in that V formation, if one of the geese gets injured or, or can no longer stay with them, two or more will go with the one that's wounded. They won't leave them alone until they either gets healed or can't, you know, then they catch up. I love those pictures. So in this flying V called the body of Christ. Are you honking? Honk! I'm here! Honk! So why the title is Honk if you love Jesus? Honk! Right? Show up next Sunday, sneak up behind someone and go, Honk! You know what I mean? Just scare them. I'm here. I'm here because we're the family of God. I'm here. Honk, I'm here. If you need me, if you get wounded and you can't stay and you got it, I'm going with you. Let's go. Till you're ready. You ready to go? Okay, let's flap. Let's catch up. Honk. We're the family of God. Sometimes it's also for communication when there's danger. Predators around. Honk. They say the honks change when there's the enemy. Sometimes you honk because you're trying to warn someone that they're drifting. Sometimes you honk because their heart's hardened and you're just lovingly honking them. (laughs) Right? So this morning, when we gather, let's encourage one another. Let's daily, let's consider one another so that we build each other up, right? Let's get into flying V called the church and honk. Honk because we're here. Honk because I got your back. Honk because if you're injured, I'm going with you. Honk because there's danger. Let's do this together because we're the body of Christ, the family of God. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you. That we are the family of God. And you have placed each one of us, each one of us, as a necessary part of it. We are to consider one another. We are to build up. 
We're to have our antenna up for those who are drifting. We're to have our antenna up for those who are discouraged. We are to have our antenna up for those who maybe are getting hardened hearts. And then we're to engage. We're to encourage, implore, exhort, urge, plead, even comfort and console. Oh, what an incredible privilege we have to be a part of your work in each other's lives. And we know that that's all possible because of what you did, Jesus, our great comforter. And so, Lord, as we prepare for communion, once again, it goes back to the cross. Once again, we're reminded of your words of encouragement and comfort. And so we'll come forward this morning, and as you do, Use it as a time of real prayerful consideration of those who are even in line, in front of you, behind you, side, next to you. Pray for them. Pray for them because you are an important part of their spiritual well-being. Because you are a part of the family of God. So Jesus, we give you this time of communion. We come forward. We'll take the cups. You can take communion as you would like when you get back to your seats. And Just use this as a time of of reflection, a time of remembrance of Christ, but also a time to allow Jesus, allow God to speak to you about those, maybe one person, that needs your encouragement this day. One person that needs your biblical encouragement this day. Amen.